0: Uh, there's magazines in the back there on a table. If you're interested in taking one, we want to give it to you. Um, you know, the song that, I, although I'm not familiar with the song, um, the song is a great way for, uh, to introduce what I'm going to talk about and something that I think is really important, and it's simply this. Theology matters. Now, uh, when I say theology matters, there's, in any group, no matter what the size, as soon as you use the word theology, um, people are going to tune you up. Because for many, even those who are believers, the idea of theology is doctrine and complicated. But the song's lyrics, which again, I was just introduced to, Jesus is all that I need. Um, I believe that. But why do I believe it? And why do you believe it? Well, there's only one way that you can believe that and that is somehow you're connected to theological teaching and I would submit to you that theology matters and it matters more than even an understanding of Jesus and relying on him it affects every single thing that we do everything we see our theology or lack of theology really matters uh, I'd l- I'm going to be talking about how should the church be treating Israel today. And in fact, if you don't mind, I'm going to have to tilt because I don't have a... Usually I have my computer in front of me, and so I'm going to be going this way and that. So how should the church be treating Israel today? Well, your theology is going to make a difference as to how you answer that question. If you hold to a position that God has finished with Israel that uh, he's done, that they had their chance, they killed Christ, uh, and therefore he's finished with them, and that certainly individual Jewish people could believe if God is so pleased and they choose to do so. But other than that, God is done. They had their chance and he's done. Well, that's going to affect the way you think about the nation of Israel. But if you believe, on the other hand, that God uh, used Israel in a dramatic way in the redemptive story to bring about salvation to the world and that through their rejection the gospel then goes to the whole world and it's God's way of having two peoples on a track that are parallel where ultimately at the end of the road for both they're going to come together. Well, that's going to have a different view as to how you look at the modern state of Israel. And theology matters as it relates to news. I don't know how many of you are aware Duke University. If you're a basketball fan, you're aware, Duke, I think they play today, number one seed uh, in March Madness. Duke is a Methodist church. Uh, Started with Methodist church, excuse me. They have a chapel that was established, a physical chapel building that was built in the 1800s. And recently there was a huge problem that happened. Huge. It made national news. If you Google it, It's still there, and it will be pages and pages long. They uh, wanted to call to prayer Islam, Um, call to prayer, uh, from the chapel building. Actually, ring the chapel bells in a call to prayer for Islam. Now, how you view that effort, I think, can be certainly your theology is going to matter, or your lack of theology Well, I can tell you that there was such an uproar uh, that they canceled it, but not completely. Uh, What happened is the bells were supposed to chime, and that was on the upper part. And instead, when the university itself said, no, they weren't going to do that, uh, they played it somehow, I'm not exactly sure, uh, but they played it in a different place and had a huge rally, and many of Duke professors and students were there. And by the way, there's about 300 Muslim students on the campus of Duke. So uh, I don't know if they've called to prayer Jewish uh, students before. I don't know if they've had a call to prayer even for Christian students there during the week. But, they, but th- that was the issue. Uh, UCLA has had a call to prayer uh, in Islam, for Islam as well. Uh, there are things happening in our culture and the church can or cannot respond to it. I'll be teaching the Holocaust this week. And I have to tell you, I'm obviously biased. Uh, Keith knew I was biased when he invited me. I'm biased. Uh, But I hope I'm objective. You're going to have to uh, analyze if I am or not. But uh, in Europe today... What is happening while you and I are here is unprecedented anti-Semitism since Adolf Hitler. Now, I don't say that lightly. Um, I never used to be able to say that when I first started to teach the Holocaust. I talked about it possibly coming to the United States. I talked about how... Europe was deeply affected, and in fact, how they responded, especially in Germany, responded in such a positive way to make it illegal to do anything um, anti-Semitic there, in that country. And your theology is going to matter. And there's very little theology in Europe, and that's why it's a hotbed, in my view, for anti-Semitism. Let me give you uh, an idea of just what took place in 2014 in France. This is just 2014. There's 475,000 Jewish people in France, uh, 1% of France's population. 51% of all racist, uh, illegal attacks were on Jewish people. So it's 1% of the population and 51% of all acts that were racist. What were they? Murder? Rape, beatings, stalking, harassment, spit upon, uh, name-calling, dirty Jews, death to the Jews, juice to the gas, uh, an inverted Nazi salute. I don't know if any of you are aware. There's, I can't pronounce his name. He has a French name, and he's a comedian. I mean, he's a funny guy in Europe. And he has started the inverted um, Nazi salute, which is a salute down, and if you are on multimedia and, uh, and social media. You might have even seen it. They're doing it uh, really all around the world. And that's just in one year. That's 2014, all these things take place. Now, again, why am I telling you that? I'm talking about the church. What does that have to do with anything? Well, it has quite a lot to do with anything because while these things are going on in Europe, there's things going on in the United States. I was going to show you a video, but it's church, and the contents of the video would have been totally inappropriate for church. Um, I'm going to show it during the week at Emmaus, and I'm kind of nervous about it. Uh, all it is is footage of uh, two of There's two footages, one of a man walking in France with a kippah on his head, and tzitzit hanging out. Tzitzit are the fringes, according to numbers, that mark out a a Jewish person. And he, it's only a minute and 47 seconds long, and he walked the streets of France, Paris specifically, in different neighborhoods, and recorded, I don't know how he did it, but you actually, got somebody to tape him walking, uh, and obviously there were people who didn't know that he, he was being taped, and He was spit upon. He was called all kinds of names. Uh, There were people walked alongside him who uh, said all kinds of not nice kinds of things. But in the United States, there is on college campuses right now um, awful things, terrible anti-Semitic things, making Jewish students at campuses around the country very, very uncomfortable. How are we to view any of those things? Is the church care about those things, and if so, what do, what are we gonna do about it, or not do about it? By the way, the church was faced with this in Germany, in the 1930s. A book that maybe some of you are familiar with is Bonhoeffer. It it captivated many Christians. Bonhoeffer, as a believer, struggled with what we're dealing with right now. Uh, his theology was different than my theology, but he had a, enough theology. <laughs> Uh, and it was true theology to realize that what was happening was something that the church had to stand up against. And that's really some of the things that we have to talk about, and that's what we're going to do. All right, what do I do here? I did something wrong, point it. This way, point it. Oh, they, yeah, they're, okay. Oh, I pushed the wrong side. I pushed the right. It's got to be the left one? I don't know. I think they did it in the back. Well, that's not working either. No? How did you do that? we never had problems with that. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just tell them, they can flip it. All right, I'll have to tell you to flip it. There you go. I have no idea. Um. American support for Israel has historically been three foundations. First, the Holocaust. Obviously, uh, during the Holocaust there was no Israel. Just to sidelight why theology matters, the organization that I'm with the Friends of Israel was formed in 1938. Why is that significant? That's ten years before the nation of Israel existed. So why does theology matter? Well, the people who formed the Friends of Israel believed the Bible. They believed that every word was true, including chapters like Ezekiel 37, which talks about dry bones coming together. And so when they incorporated the organization, they wanted it to at first be a relief group, that is to help Jewish people who were fleeing Germany at the time that Hitler was taking power, coming to the United States, and in need of physical help. But because they believed the Bible and because of their theology, they said, we're going to call ourselves the friends of Israel, even though there is no nation of Israel today. And there wasn't for 10 years. Now, they didn't know it was going to be 10 years. It could have been 50 years. It could have been one year. It didn't matter to them. They weren't going to be called the friends of the Jewish people or the Palestinian people, which is what it was called then under British rule. They wanted to call themselves the friends of Israel because theology matters. So the Holocaust is one of the reasons America has supported Israel. Another is it's a democratic state. It's the only democratic state in that part of the region. It's interesting that much of the uh, UN criticism of world powers in terms of violating human rights, I find it fascinating that Israel has had oh is it working? Great deal. Okay, thanks. Uh, I find it fascinating that the United Nations has condemned Israel like triple any other country. Now, if you, again, I'm biased. If you were to ask me, is Israel a perfect country? No, not even close. They do a lot of things that are bad. And if you don't believe, I just was in Israel and returned on Sunday. Turn on Israeli TV. Uh, We say, I don't understand Hebrew. They have English, uh, as well as Hebrew stations. The worst critics of Israel, in terms of passion and name-calling, are Israelis. Just like in America, they say all kinds of things, and some of them are deserved on each side. But it's interesting that the United Nations over Iran, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, name the country that has... Terrible human rights violations. Pakistan, uh, all these countries, Israel has outnumbered them in terms of a terrible uh, 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 crimes against humanity as far as the United Nations is concerned. But the Bible is another reason. When you open up your Bible, you're opening up a Jewish book. Um, you might not like individual Jewish people. The Bible doesn't say you shall like Jewish people. You you don't have to like us. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your theology dictates to you that you have to love us. You have to. Otherwise, you're violating biblical texts. Because if you say you're a believer, you're saying, I love God. And you're probably saying, well, I want to love what God loves. God hasn't chosen any other ethnic people, nor has he chosen any land outside of the Jewish people, and the land of Israel. He calls them three times in the Torah, first five books, in the, in the writings, which would be in the Psalms, and in the prophets. He calls them the apple of his eye. So the Bible historically, and many Americans believe to one extent or another, the Bible. So historically, uh, that's why we've supported Israel. Now, We can give you some statistics, and you can do statistics any way you want, but this was a Pew, not P-U, but P-E-W, Pew Research Forum. Uh, This gives you an idea on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and evangelicals worldwide. Uh, 34% support Israel, Uh, 39% support both, Um, and then you could see the 16 and 11%. And view this amongst American evangelicals. It's actually 4% less uh, Americans uh, sympathize with Israel, but it's more uh, as far as both. And that's the American way, by the way. I I understand how that could be uh, uh, so. Almost half of Americans look to both sides and probably can see uh, how both sides need some sympathy. Uh, but it's an interesting breakdown in millennials versus me. I call them tight-skinned people. If you're here and have tight skin, you're a millennial, and I see a few millennials. Um, we're the baby boomers. Uh, you actually now outnumber us. There's about 70 million baby boomers, and there's about 84 million millennials. And there's a lot of studies on your group if you are in that 18 to 32 range, 21 percent uh, of millennials believe Hamas was to blame for the Israeli war. I have a hard time with 21%. I still think it's too many. Um, I, still th- 40, I, th- think 50, I think 47% is too high, uh, or excuse me. I think the 80, 79% who don't think Hamas is the one to blame, uh, and the 53% who don't think Hamas is to blame is too high. If rockets were fired into your backyard, how would you feel? Um, And how would you feel if you were limited to a response first where, well, let's say you did the Christian thing, because I would submit to you that Israel has done the Christian thing as it relates to rockets. Uh, Not the American thing, the Christian thing. I think Israel is more Christian than any other nation on the planet, even though they don't believe in Jesus. And let me tell you why. I don't believe they're all going to heaven. Please don't misquote me. I'm just talking reaction wise. When rockets were sent, they knew that when they would find out where they are, they would send leaflets and text messages. And they would phone people to say, uh, by the way, in two hours, we're sending a rocket into your cachet of rockets. So abandon your place. Now, I don't know of any other country including our own. Right now we're using drones, by the way. Uh, And I'm not even telling you I'm against all that. Uh, I'm just saying Israel's the only country that warns the enemy when they're coming because they don't want innocent lives killed. Now, how does the enemy respond to that? By gunpoint, they keep people who want to flee to stay there. So rockets people are used by Hamas to protect their rockets, while Israel has an Iron Dome which shoots rockets to protect its citizens. It's a fascinating thing, and most of us don't think about it that way. So there's a lot of statistics about uh, what different groups, age groups, think about it, uh, and why aren't millennials tight-skinned people, more pro-Israel. There's some very good reasons why. Uh, I was alive in 1967. Uh, I remember very clearly as a teenager uh, cheering uh, as we were supposed to be wiped out as the Egyptians and Syrians were on the border south and north, uh, ready to defeat Israel, and in one of the greatest battles uh, ever fought. Uh, in such a short time to save the nation. But millennials weren't around. I wasn't around in the Holocaust, but my parents were. My father served in World War II. It was really close to me, and many Americans and baby boomers. But millennials, Holocaust, it's so far away. Many millennials in 2011, when the Twin Towers went down, were either very young and have just remembrance of being scared to hardly even knowing it happened, the further away you were from New York. So what millennials see on TV is suffering. And a lot of the suffering you see is not on the Israeli side, it's on the Palestinian side. Uh, And after all, suffering for children, suffering for poor people is a horrible thing. And as Americans, we're gonna have sympathy. So I understand The issues, but I would argue that theology matters, and since I'm speaking in a church and not in a secular environment, we have to look at things in context. We do that in the Bible, and we ought to do that and funnel it through the events that we see as well. There's Bible verses, and we're going to go over some of these verses, and I want to make sure that I keep to my time. Um, and so I know I have 15 minutes left. 1 Corinthians 10.32 uh, You could turn there if if you'd like. Um, It is this passage that Paul provides for us three groups of people in the planet. There's only three. Give no offense to the Jews, to the Greeks, which is nations, Gentiles, goyim, and to the Church of God. So... Theologically speaking, as I look out in the world, I, only, I know that there are only three groups of people. Only three. You're either Jewish, you're Gentile, or you're a believer. That's it. Uh, and that's significant. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Theology matters. It is here in Genesis that God is going to begin to work with one individual. He had work with nations. There were no Jewish people. From creation to the call of Abraham, and subsequently through Isaac and Jacob, there were no Jewish people, but God called one man. It's interesting. He spent 11 chapters dealing with the world because God cares about the world. But he spent 38 chapters talking about a family. I would argue that God definitely cares about the world. We know that biblically. Theology matters, where God so loved the world. But he cares about you, and he cares about me. And Moses took 38 chapters to write about one man, his faith, and how that one man's faith branched out where it says, Abraham believed God, just like we sang the song. I believe, I believe. You, that it, Abraham could sing that song with you. It'd be a little different than the way he might have sung songs back in his day, but the words would be, he'd be fine with that. He would be right with us because he believed God. And we as Christians say, wait a minute, we're like Abraham. There was a time in our lives when somebody presented the gospel, theology to us, and we could have been four or we could have been 40, but we came to the realization that we're sinners and God loves us, and the way to redemption is through his Son, and that there's no other way. That's theology, and it matters. And Genesis chapter 12 is a call, and in that call that Abraham answered, it said, I will bless those who bless you, Abraham, but I'm going to curse those who curse you. I would submit to you that th- theology matters because it determines how do we think that promise is today? Is it still for today, or was it only for Abraham? What, how does that work? Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. There we have Daniel. Oh, his theology mattered. Do you know that when he was taken captive, the only theology he knew as a Jewish person was to follow what God told him in the Torah? And even though he was separated. from his parents as a teenager. His theology was so ingrained in him that he trusted God, as the song said, I believe in you. I'm going to obey you even in the midst of a culture that is counter to everything that I believe. And that man rose up to power in that Gentile community and was given the opportunity to see the future and reports it to us, and we're told that Daniel's people and Daniel's city, they're 70 weeks determined for them. Your theology matters as to how you view those texts. What does that mean, Daniel's people? Uh, well, there was no church then. There were no believers. There was no Jesus Christ. Who, Dan- who are Daniel's people? And by the way, who's Daniel's city? Where is that city? Well, the context is pretty clear, and if you're reading the Bible normally, you could show that to a person who doesn't believe in Jesus or who is not even Jewish and show it to them, and they'll tell you, oh, Daniel's people, they're Jewish. His place? Oh, that's because of the temple is there. Jerusalem is there. So we now know, based on our theology, that there's a future. Have those 70 weeks been completed? Well, the Bible's going to outline Daniel didn't know all about that. It wasn't revealed to him. But as you continue reading from Daniel, you find, wait a minute, 69 of those are done. Jesus came, just as it says he would come and be cut off, which he was. But that 70th week, that battle, that that difficulty that they talk about hasn't happened yet. And so that's that's a part that certainly has to be dealt with. Romans chapter 11 and verse 1. Has God rejected the Jew? Oh, man, that cuts right into the huge debate in the church today. A huge debate. There are those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ who have a fundamental difference as to how we re- react to that statement. A huge difference. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh... And we ought to embrace them and fellowship with them in every way we can, except our eschatology parts. Because those in the camp that I would hold, and where Emmaus Bible College would hold, would say, no, God hasn't abandoned the Jewish people. He hasn't cut them off. Uh, He hasn't at all. In fact, he's emphatic with his God-forbid. Those three chapters in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 are so critical in theological thought, they will dramatically affect a person as to how they view those passages theologically. Well, Galatians 3 and verse 28. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. Let me uh, get there. Galatians 3, verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Jesus Christ. That's a replacement passage. By that I mean, theologically speaking, there's those who would be on the other side of where I'm at, who would say, this verse tells me ethnic Israel is done. God doesn't look at ethnicity anymore. He's done with that. And the only land that we're going to be speaking about is the kingdom, and that's at His second coming. Forget all the other stuff. Is that what the text says? Well, y- your theology matters. I'm Jewish. You're Gentile. We worship together. Paul tells us that the middle wall partition has been broken. It was Paul who said, "Wait a minute. There's only three groups of Jewish people, uh, three groups of people in the world: Jewish, Gentile, and." church i'm telling you as a believer i'm part of the church Uh, my ethnicity doesn't depart Uh, you might be german or english or spanish or whatever you are what you are and i am what i am but together we're in christ is paul saying that god's finished with israel no he's just saying hey in god's eyes you're not a male or female you're not old or young or black or white You're in the body of Christ. Now, I would submit to you that the church, the evangelical church in the United States, has been very weak in this area. Uh, The church, God is colorblind. The church isn't, historically. There's issues. We want to talk about women and their role. (laughs) Assemblies, of which this is linked in some way, uh, has had issues with women. Uh, The synagogue has as well. But biblically, theologically, it's a settled issue. We're just struggling with it as we as we journey with him. Theology matters. Uh, what about Galatians 6? I have to skip uh, because of time's sake. So we'll go to Galatians 6 because that's one that is uh, often quoted. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. The term Israel of God is a replacement position. It's a covenant people. We're the people of God, the Israel of God. Therefore, God's done. Well, again, your theology matters because the context here, Paul is talking about Jewish believers. And if there's a whole subject that could be discussed on the place of Jewish believers in the church in America, my own ethnic people who become believers, struggle with this. Should I become part of a church, or do I want to go and be part of a messianic congregation? And some of you might be familiar with that. So these are issues. And I would submit to you that theology matters as to how we look at these verses and how we deal with them. The struggle that we might have this way still should not be a problem as we look at what's happening in the world today. Bibi Netanyahu was voted in, and Keith asked me, and I, where are we, five, am ten, I, oh, ten. I got, oh, I'm already past. No, oh, I, how much time do I have? Ten. I got ten minutes, okay, I wanted to leave open, Keith, Keith was saying that he was interested in possible if I could interact with you, and I don't know if you normally do that or not, uh, I'm really comfortable with doing that, but let me just, I just returned on Sunday, There'd be people who label me, "Oh, you're a fanatic. You're you're so blind to Israel. Only does uh, good things. They don't do bad. uh, They don't ever do bad things. And what about the Palestinians? And don't they have rights?" And I have a lot more slides, but I'd much rather address some of the things on your mind because that's simply not true. Yes, I'm pro-Israel, but I believe God is pro-Israel. I would be so bold as to tell you God is a Zionist. God is a Zionist. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't mean the dirty Zionist that we hear on the news today. Uh, Wheaton College has a professor. His last name is Burge, Professor Burge. He has written so many negative things and so many lies, out-and-out lies, about what Zionism is, the taking away of land illegally from Palestinians. Just go to the United Nations, that group that I, in Israel, they call the United Nothings. But if you want to find out how Israel became established, not biblically, but historically, just go to the United Nations because they voted to partition the land. Even Russia voted for it. Amazing. But it was a a strong vote, two to one, in favor of the establishment of Israel. And when it happened, Israel had agreed to a two-state solution. They welcomed two states with Jerusalem being an international city, which, by the way, they've talked about that now. Do you know what the response of the Arabs were? No. No. Do I believe that there are Palestinians hurting? Absolutely. Do I believe that we ought to have the message of hope of the gospel? My theology matters. God respects no person. I am no different than, than anybody else. Whether he's a drug addict, an alcoholic, a Jewish person, uh, an old person, a young person, uh, we shouldn't be picky as to who we share the gospel with. And so people think, oh, and you, with friends of Israel, if they don't have a mezuzah on their house, you won't share the gospel with them. That's ludicrous. My theology matters. But it matters to the point where do you realize that when Haiti had its difficulty from the earthquake, do you know who was first there to minister to the people and have a triage set up faster than any other nation? Israel. Do you understand that when a terrorist doesn't quite complete his mission or her mission and go to heaven through jihad, because of uh, blowing themselves up, they're still alive? Do you know that in Israel, they're treated alongside the victims that they blow up? And that the people who end up paying the bill is the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. Those things aren't reported. Those things are most Americans have no idea. But even if that wasn't the case, my theology makes a difference. Does God have a future for Israel? It's a dramatic future. And I would argue, from a theological point of view, that if God doesn't keep his promises to Israel, as some Christians teach that he is not going to fulfill literally, if he fails on the promises that you read in a natural way, then that means God has lied. And if God has lied, it's over you know how over? Satan will win. Satan is the liar, not God. And if God is not going to fulfill his promises, if he's an Indian giver, then how do you think your salvation is secure? On what basis? I would make the argument theologically that as God is faithful to the Jewish people, as he keeps his promises, as we watch in a miraculous way how he's preserved this people under all kinds of difficulty, that in the difficulties of my own life, in my own struggles, where times I slip, where at times I'm frustrated, I can turn to him as you sang in your song. I believe. I believe. Do you believe in a lie? Do you believe in a fairy tale? Or do you believe in the words that are printed on a book that were given to you by a people that God used in his redemptive story to bring you to redemption? Any questions?